You're listening to an audio sermon from Redemption Church in Red Deer, Alberta. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information about our church, visit us online at redemptionreddeer.ca. We're about to get into Luke chapter 2 this morning. If anyone needs a Bible, if you just want to put your hand up, we'd love to go there together. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. If you have a Bible, if you'd like to um, turn there. If anyone needs one, just put your hand up. We have ushers who'd love to give you one. I do not see any takers at the moment. Uh, just as we get into um, Luke chapter 2, that, that story of the candy cane, I guess it was actually started um, by Christians for as the priest was talking about the nativity scene or birth of Christ to give to kids. They're not sure where the red came from. There's like, it's disputable. So just, just so you know, uh, what I'm about to tell you is completely 100% true. That story was great, but we don't know all the history of the candy cane. So we're looking at, uh, at Luke 2 this morning. If you've been with us, we've been going through the gospel according to Luke. We started out Luke uh, 1 to 4, Luke actually told us why he wrote his gospel. He said, he was writing to a guy named uh, Theophilus. He said, I've written you that you would have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. And the certainty comes to Jesus' birth. I believe this is the greatest story uh, that we have. He's the greatest man that ever lived. And speaking of his birth and how which he came, it's the greatest uh, birth that ever happened. His death was the greatest death and his resurrection as well. But I I want you to see what we're reading here this this morning is not a story, it is history. It's something that happened, but it has great effects for us today. Uh, The title I've taken is called Good News of Great Joy. It's just taken from the angel's announcement uh, to the shepherds. And I pray that as you hear the good news this morning of Jesus, that you will believe and you will have great joy. That's, a, that's my prayer for this morning. You'll hear good news. You will have great joy. Uh, if you want to stand with me at our church, we all stand as we read God's word together out of reverence for God's word. So Luke chapter 2, reading verses 1 to 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. May God bless his word to our souls this morning. You can have a seat. Before going on any further, I'd like to again go to the Lord in prayer, if you'd like to bow your heads with me. Oh God, what a joy it has been for me to just read and meditate and think upon uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. I pray now as I preach, oh Holy Spirit, you would speak through me. Oh God, a, a story many of us know so well, may you give us fresh faith. May you give us open ears and open hearts, what you'd have to teach us this morning. Lord, that we wouldn't just go through uh, the routine of tradition. I pray that Jesus Christ would just be high and exalted, O Lord, and you would draw many to yourself. Lord, maybe those who are even coming uh, just to please uh, family members, friends, O Lord, give them ears to hear. Give them eyes to see how amazing it is the birth of our Savior. Jesus Christ, O oh Lord. I pray you'd just be ministering to each of our hearts the things that we're going to through you know, O oh Lord. But give us, give us the ability to hear this good news again. May it minister to each one of us. Give us grace to believe that we would have great joy. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want you to see a number of things in this passage. The first I want you to see is just his humble birth. And I want us to reflect on that. Think of his humble birth. Verse 1, of course, starts, uh, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. It also says, this is the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. It begins in such a way like this is a historical event. It can be dated. You can look at like who was in charge when this happened. Luke is a, is a man of details. He wants to put this before you. Interesting, you'll notice this progression. It starts with Caesar Augustus. He's the top Roman ruler of the time, right? The Roman Empire, it was, they were in their heyday. They are in the limelight. So he's the top ruler, and he makes this announcement. And you'll notice the progression, though, and it leads to the small town in Bethlehem and to this insignificant, poor people. But it starts with Caesar Augustus. Just if you don't know history, uh, James Edwards notes this. Augustus built the Roman form, right? If you go to Rome today, you can still see the form. So Caesar Augustus helped, I guess, led the, the building of it. He founded libraries. He sponsored lavish spectacles for the, for the population. He boasted that he found Rome built in brick and left it in marbles. Caesar Augustus, even during his time, it's kind of Roman emperors started to be worshipped. They started to be worshipped as deity, as God. And interesting, there was um, an inscription discovered somewhere in Rome 
It came from 9 BC, and it hailed Augustus as a god whose birthday signaled the beginning of good news. So there's actually this great following of Caesar Augustus, that they worshipped him, that he had so much power, that he was the one who was going to bring peace to the world. So Caesar Augustus, he makes this decree. And the reason he wants everyone to be counted, it's quite simple, taxes. <laughs> Just make sure everybody's paying their taxes. You, you know, and, and we, unfortunately we continue that story today <laughs> as well. But so interesting that the top Roman ruler makes this decree so he can collect his taxes, which starts the movement of different people. And, and in this story, we don't know, it was just in the Judea area that everyone had to go to their hometown, to go to the place where their ancestors were from. And so what it does, though, God just, he works through human rulers. He works through broken people. Caesar Augustus wasn't thinking about what he was doing. He just wanted his taxes paid. But by making that pronouncement, uh, it gets Joseph and Mary moving. As we see in verse 4, moving towards Bethlehem. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. That's where King David was born, Israel's most prominent king. And because he, he was of the house and lineage of David, and we think like, well, okay, that's an interesting a detail, but if you know uh, the Old Testament at all, uh, it's actually quite significant that they would go to Bethlehem, that Jesus would be born there. They're, from, they're in Nazareth. How can God get them from Nazareth? I guess it's like 110 kilometers north of Bethlehem. Caesar Augustus made a census, and they had to travel. Mary's like nine months pregnant. <laughs> Amazing. Had to go 110 kilometers. For sure, that's why we're like, she probably was on a donkey or something, not walking there. But went maybe for the protection that Joseph afforded her, but went to Bethlehem. And how amazing it is that she came to Bethlehem. We have written in the Old Testament, in the book of Micah, Micah 5 2, written 700 years before Jesus came. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. So amazing, like the one that was predicted is supposed to come from Bethlehem there in Nazareth because the Roman emperor wants his taxes paid. God uses that to move them to Bethlehem where the Messiah was to be born. Continuing on the story, he, he wasn't alone, Joseph, verse 5. He was be, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And just if you haven't been with us, you just need to know a little background information. This betrothal is much greater than our engagement. Like you, you're basically legally bound to get married, though not yet married. And so Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but what does it say there? She was with child. She was with child. And, and if you know, if you know the story, this child is from God. The angel Gabriel appeared to Mary before she had the child in Luke chapter 1 and 31 to 34. I just want to read that for you. The angel Gabriel said this, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and will bear a son, and your name shall, you shall call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And I love Mary's question. She said, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Not doubting, but she's like, I haven't been with Joseph. 
And what, what the, the answer Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. She has this child within her who, who God has put in there in this amazing way. God is in her. She's carrying this little human. It, it, it's, it's something to behold. But look at verse 6. So they're heading there. They get to Bethlehem. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. I just want you to notice it's not actually a, something that's rushed. In our Christmas lore, we're like, well, they barely got there. And then the child comes. It seems like they're there. They're established for a time. Then the time came for her to give birth. In verse 7, though, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. I want you to notice a number of things there in verse 7. First, it says, she gave birth to her firstborn son. It doesn't say their firstborn son because uh, physically speaking, it wasn't Joseph's child, though he was the earthly parent. Also, notice it says she gave birth to her firstborn, as in that she's going to have other children. It goes against the teaching of the Catholic Church that Mary was a perpetual virgin. She had other children after Jesus. But what I especially want you to see is what that he was wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And that term manger, we know it's a feeding trough. We've romanticized the idea. It's beautiful. It's clean. It's a feeding trough for an animal. There was no place. And even it, the word inn is a kind of little misguided. It's not like there was a, a lot of places like hotels for them to stay. It was a small village in Bethlehem, and what, when you went to travel, you'd go stay with, stay with the people that you knew from the past, or, or like ancestors. You'd have family connections, they'd have to take you in, but because maybe everyone's returning for this census, the house was already full. Or maybe because there were older people who, who got dibs on the rooms, right? Older, more established people, like many of us at our Christmas meals, there's, like the, there's the adult table, and then if you don't make it, there's a kid's table. It, it's kind of like that. It's like they were probably just lower down in terms of like there's older people who needed the rooms. And so though they're going to go stay, uh, they didn't have an actual physical room. It looks like it was kind of like just outside the house. It would have been covered over. It would have been inhumane. But of course, not a place for a baby to be born and not a, not a place for the Son of God to be born. This is what I want you to see above all else. How actually shocking this is that at the birth of Jesus Christ, he's wrapped in swaddling cloths and he's laid in a manger because there's no place for them in the end. There's no room for him. Friends, the more you learn about who Jesus is, the more this leaves you in absolute awe. I just want to remind you of a few places here this morning. The Apostle Paul writes in Colossians 1, 16 and 17, speaking of Jesus, he says this, By him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In verse 19, he, And in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. 
God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. And as you, you continue to read the scripture, if you read into Revelation, I've been in there this, these past number of weeks, I've just been blessed. In Revelation, what you see highlighted above all else is the Lamb. Jesus Christ is being worshipped. All the angels, all falling down before him. Voices coming from the heavens, from the earth, from the sea, from every area praising him. Yet at his birth on the earth, the one who created things, who holds all things together, there was no room. No room for him. If you think yet, yet all time is marked by his birth. It's 2023 because roughly 2023 years ago, Jesus was born. All time is marked by his birth. You think Caesar Augustus, he made the decree to move, uh, move them to Bethlehem. Caesar Augustus' reign ended in 14 AD. Jesus' reign continues forever. And when we're saying 14 AD, that's a Latin phrase, but it means in the year of our Lord. Right? Caesar's death is marked by the birth of Jesus Christ about 14 years after. How significant it is. But as he came, there's no room. It's something that should just make us step back. What a humble birth. No fanfare. No noise. What a, what a contrast, friends, even to Christmas. To what we celebrate with the lights and the presents and the food and the, the more, and it's ever increasing, and it's good, and it's great, and it's busy, and lots is going on. But if you want to reflect on this, you literally have to take a step back. I don't know if it's early in the morning or late at night, and it's good to have those things. But just take a step back in quiet and think, when, when Jesus came, there was no room for him. And if you know who Jesus is, that, that's so humbling. That's so amazing. His humble birth, we should reflect on this more. And continuing uh, the passage, I want you to see the sock shocking recipients and should cause us to rejoice. Verse 8, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Shepherds watching flocks in the night. They were watching their flock. They were making sure thieves or wild animals didn't take their sheep. They're near, because they're near Bethlehem, or Bethlehem, sorry, is near Jerusalem. It's about six miles away. These sheep could have been used to sacrifice to God at the temple. But you need to know this about shepherds. In that time, they were outcasts of society. Like sheep don't take a holiday, so they never took a holiday. And so they worked seven days a week, and because of that, they never kept the Sabbath. In the eyes of the Pharisees, the rules that were created, they were always cer ceremonially unclean. And not only that, because they were often away and, no, you know, kind of did their own thing, they were disqualified from being legal witnesses. People wouldn't even trust their word. In fact, in some of the Jewish writings, they talk about despised uh, work. It would be, well, for sure a gambler, tax collector, and shepherds. That, that, that was kind of the group that they were in. And friends, that's why, so the birth of Jesus, God in the flesh, the angels ap appears first to shepherds? 
Like it's, it's shocking. It's so shocking. But that's, that's what Jesus is about. That's what God is about. Even Mary kind of prophesied this in Luke 152 in her great song. Mary says, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. First she's talking about that she, Mary, a no-name from Nazareth, was able to have the, the God in the flesh and give birth to that child. But then you think Caesar Augustus on high, he made a decree. He doesn't know Jesus is born, but these lowly shepherds, they, they get told about it. Because that's who God came for. He came for the lowly. He came for the despised. He came for the, the weak. Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. Shocking recipients of God's grace. Again, so the angel appears to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. The glory of God, basically light that reflects God. You think, we know that people have been in the sun when, you know, they have a tan or maybe they get burned. The, being in the sun affects them. These angels have been in the very presence of God or this angel and so was reflecting the light emanating from God. Now, as the angel shows up, it's like their, their night is broken and now it's like the light of day. And they were scared. Who wouldn't be? <laughs> Think of a, a time, no electricity, like no natural light. Probably they had a fire to keep themselves warm. All of a sudden, the angel shows up and it's like a, the light of day. And they were scared. And who blames them? And that's why I love, Josh, you pointed out a while back, every, in angel training, that's the first thing they say, tell them not to be scared. <laughs> in verse 10, and they follow, the angel follows the training there. Verse 10, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy. That term, good news, it's the Greek term, euangelion, before, in that time period, it would have been familiar to everyone, that term, good news, was used for the emperor, was used to announce the emperor's birth, or maybe that there's an heir to the throne, or one who's going to ascend the throne. Hey, like, hey, hey, we have some good news. It would always be about the emperor. I love this, though. After this time, you think the term good news, or we know it by a different way, the gospel, it becomes the main theme of Christianity, this first announcement, good news of great joy. And I hope as we continue to go on, you're like, yes, I get it. I get what the good news is. He explains this announcement. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So many things there, but so he's Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the long-awaited one. They've been waiting for over a thousand years, the Jewish people, their prophets have spoken of the one who's going to come and give freedom to Israel. He's going to set captives free. He's going to shine his light in darkness. He's going to heal the brokenhearted, the Messiah. But it doesn't just say the Christ, the Messiah. It says Christ the Lord, which is actually really surprising. It's surprising it doesn't say Christ, who's from the Lord. It says Christ the Lord, the Messiah, God, together. God in the flesh. And you're going to see throughout Luke's gospel, throughout the rest of the New Testament, yes, this is who Jesus is, who he said he was, who he is today. He's the Lord. And it also, what also does the announcement say? It says he's the Savior. This is about a little a baby who's just been born. He's the Savior. He's Christ 
the Lord. How is he the Savior? By what he came to accomplish. Again, remember, think at his birth, he's wrapped in swaddling cloths, he's laid in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn. And then if, as you read the Gospel of Luke, as you read other Gospels, he grew up, he lived a perfect, righteous life. But he didn't come to just live a perfect, righteous life, he came to die. To die for my sins and for yours. And he was hung on a Roman cross. And Luke wants to point this out. You think it's humility in his birth that there was no place to lay his head, the humility in his death. In Luke 23, verse 53, as he was taken down from the cross, he was wrapped in a linen shroud and laid in a tomb, cut by a stone. Think of at his birth, he was wrapped in linen, laid down, there was no room for him. At his death, taken off a Roman cross, He's wrapped in linen. He's laid in a tomb. But we know he does not stay there. He rose again. He reigns today. And he is the Savior. He is the Savior for all who would believe, all who would trust in him. He came to save us from our sins, to make us right with God. In Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 121, it says of the angel says, You shall call him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. He is a true Savior for all who would come to him, all who would believe in him. We wouldn't have to carry around all our wrongdoing, all our brokenness. We can lay it down at the cross. Jesus died for us for that. He is the Savior. The question is, is he your Savior? Especially at this time of year, sometimes... Okay, you come to church, you haven't been for a while. Maybe you're coming. It's my grandma's faith. It's my parents' faith. Is, there, is he your Savior? What did it, so what an announcement that is given by the angel. I don't know about you. I get excited about small announcements. Like last week we had Cookie Sunday. I was excited about that. These guys, these shepherds, they get this announcement, hey, Here's the Savior who is Christ the Lord. What do you, like their jaws have to be dropping. What? The angel continues, verse 12, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And again, we're so used to this story, like that's not a common place for babies to be. Right? Like here's a sign. You're going to find a baby. He's going to be in a feeding trough. You won't miss it. Right? That's what's being said. And then after this announcement, and they're still probably processing, like, what? What is going on? Verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. There's this multitude. And, like, I don't know how big is the number. Some disagree. I heard some say, like, 10,000. But, like, thousands upon thousands of angels appear, and they start singing. And you just think their singing was totally on tune. Guaranteed. I don't know if anyone's heard, like, Handel's the Messiah. It would be nothing in comparison to what those angels would be singing. Like, just think the tune, the, the, the joy that would fill the air, these angels praising God, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Think about the angels the angels praising God, they understand who Jesus is. They understand what Jesus was going to do more than anyone else. 
And that's why they gather and they praise. Glory in the highest. And the more that you understand who Jesus is and what he's done, then you start joining in with the angels. Glory to God in the highest. We understand even what they said. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. James Edwards points out that this word for with the person whom he is pleased, it's the word for favor, it means God's saving pleasure. Rather than man's humanity, humanity's goodwill. It doesn't mean like, hey, God goes to those who are good enough. No, God's favor and his kindness, he saves some. He brings peace to many. For those who would hear the gospel and respond and say, yes, I want to believe in Jesus Christ. What an announcement, what an announcement of peace that's coming to the world. It's not like the Pax Romana that Rome bought, like the peace of Rome, but like basically their army was so big they crushed everyone. That was the Pax Romana. That was the Roman peace. We'll just kill you all. So it's not that type of fake peace. It's not like the, the Christmas meal peace. That you're, you're eating and you go to say something and your wife may be like, you should not talk about that right now. Like that type of peace. I'm, just, I'm saying husbands are guilty for that. Can't talk about politics. You can't talk. I don't know. Right? Like, so it's not that like, hey, hey, peace, peace. Family meals. It was like a real tangible peace that's offered to us in Jesus Christ that the angels were announcing. I want you to see this, right? A spiritual peace between God and men and women. Because sin makes us enemies of God. Sin, we're in rebellion against him. And all of a sudden, the angels come pronouncing from this little baby, he's going to bring peace. Real, everlasting peace that we can have with God for those who believe in Jesus Christ. And if you get this, if you know this, it leads to rejoicing. That's why, and then these old Christmas songs all of a sudden have life. God rest you, merry gentlemen, let nothing you despair. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray. Whoa! Really? Like That's in a song? That's amazing. I don't know, here with an with a ear of faith, it's phenomenal. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. And we just like, we hum along, like, hear it again. It's phenomenal. It leads to rejoicing. So these, these angels, verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. I just, how long were they silent? The angels went into heaven, they're sitting there. Who broke the silence? You're, did you, did you? What? All of a sudden, it's back dark again. It's quiet. They may be still hearing the sound of the angels singing in their heads. Who is like, hey, uh, let's get to Jer- let's get to Bethlehem. But I want you to see the these shocking recipients, the shepherds, and we see them rejoicing. God came to shepherds. And if we read this correctly, and if we read ourselves correctly, we're like, and God, came, God came to me. I'm the lowly. I'm the broken, and, and I've heard the message, and I believe, and I have peace with God. Can you hear it today? 
The shocking recipients. Will you be one of the shocking recipients who believe in Jesus Christ? And it would, it would turn to rejoicing. But I want you to see as the shepherds go, they came to the eternal treasure. We need to respond. Verse 16, And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They, they went with haste. They ran after it. Like, I bet you it was like an actual foot race. They were just going. They went as quick as they could. I want you to see this. They believed, and so they went. They weren't like going to like, I don't know what's happening. They believed already, and so they went. And that's what happens. Belief leads to pursuing Jesus. Like you believe, and so you want to know more. Belief leads to pursuing Jesus. And notice even as they meet Mary and Joseph, Mary's name comes first, giving prominence at the birth of Jesus. Mary and Joseph and the baby, we should say lying in a feeding trough. I just think we're, like, we're too used to hearing manger. We don't see the scene as we should. Because what happens? Verse 17, when they saw it, like they went around, the, the first baby they found in the feeding trough, they're not like, is there another? They're like, this is, this is it. This is the baby. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They're like, wow, the angel's said to us, this is how we would find the child. There he is. And so they tell Mary and Joseph everything that they heard. And there must have been a crowd there already. We don't know at what time this is happening at verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Interesting, like they, they wondered. They thought about it for a moment. Nothing else is said about them. I also want you to notice that the shepherds, they had an experience with God. When you have an experience with God, you have to tell others. There wasn't like this training like, hey, this is how you need to share your faith. They're like, wow, that's so amazing. We have to go and tell others, and others overheard it. It was just like an overflow. But the others who heard it just said they wondered. Maybe they're like, oh, shepherds. <laughs> like, how, have you not slept lately? Like, what, what are you drinking lately? I don't know, like it's, it must have sounded so crazy. You're like, oh, angels appeared to you. But they wonder. They wonder at what is said, but contrast that with how Mary reacts. In verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. She treasured them up. It wasn't like in one ear and out the other. She's like, I'm taking this in. I'm thinking upon this. She's pondering. She's reflecting. She's thinking about it. She wasn't just going to let it pass by. But the, the thing is, as Mary, she, she, she has already a visit from Gabriel. She hears about the shepherds, what they saw from the angel and the angels. But she doesn't know how the story goes. That's what we, don't, we forget. She's holding the child like, what is, what's going on? I'm going to keep thinking about that. I'm going to keep pondering it. She didn't know how the story was going to go out. So it's true to the song that's sung about her. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all the creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? 
The sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Another name for God. Mary, did you know? And no, she didn't. <laughs> she didn't know. She didn't know, but as you guys hear the story this morning, you know. I, that's what I want you to hear over and over again. You know who Jesus is. You have heard here this morning. He is the Savior. He is God in the flesh. What will you do with this knowledge? Will we think through this anymore this morning? Will we take this thought with us into this season to come? Will we be like the crowd? Just wonder at it? I don't know, carry on. Or will we be like Mary and ponder it? Treasure it? Think on it. And, and I would say, with all that we know, will you believe it? If you think of, if I said Jesus, he is the eternal treasure. John, John 14, 6, Jesus in his life, he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. He's the way, the truth, and the life. That Jesus is the way to be made right with God. That if you have Jesus and you lose everything else on this earth, even your health, even your life, you have an, an eternal treasure. It is an amazing thing. You have everything that you need. And so I pray that you would. I pray that you would believe. Just to finish the story, verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen, as it had been told them. The shepherds believed. They left rejoicing. Friends, this is good news of great joy. And I want to remind you again, why is it such good news of great joy? Imagine if you had terminal cancer. And it's just, it's moving fast, you have very little to live. Your days are numbered. A week and two weeks. And also, maybe you get a, a new treatment. Maybe people are praying for you. And then all of a sudden they, they look again, they're like, the, can the cancer's gone. That's good news. Would it, would it bring you great joy? But we're, we're talking about there's a cancer sin that's in, deep in each one of our hearts. It's in our bones. We can't get it out. And our tendency is to run away from God, be rebelling against Him. And that sin separates us from God. And on our own, we're just enemies against Him. We're just guilty. But, but the good news is that God didn't leave us in that place. The good news, 1 Timothy 1.15, the Apostle Paul says this, This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul says, of whom I am the foremost. I'm the worst sinner, and, and Jesus Christ came to save me. That's good news of great joy. That's like, hey, there's something inside me I can't deal with. I can't get it out. I, I, can't, I can try to sugarcoat it. I can try to cover it over. But Jesus came to pay for my sins, to pay for my wrongdoing, to change me, to change each one of us. That's good news, and if you believe in it, it brings great joy, everlasting joy, joy that goes into January, joy that goes in through your hardest times of your life, joy that follows you after death into life with Him eternal. It's good news of great joy. And so what do you do with this this morning? You reflect. Reflect. Think on this story. Like Mary, treasure that. Ponder it in our hearts. Again, I would say, if you can, remove yourself from the, 
the hustle and bustle, the, the great things of getting together, think on there's no room for him in the end. That's so sobering. Even if you're here this morning, you're like, I don't know. Reflect, going through the gospel of Luke. Ask questions, is this really true? But then after you reflect, we need to respond. And for those who, who say, I, that Jesus is not my Savior, I would encourage you to respond, believe in him, trust in him. You do that by repenting of your sins, confessing. Like, I'm putting my faith and my trust in him, and I'm believing in him. And truly, if, if, truly, if you respond to Jesus in that way, if you have responded, then friends, we need to rejoice. We need to continually rejoice. Over and over again, with the songs we're about to sing, with songs tomorrow, with songs throughout the week, with songs in the new year, we need to continue to praise God for who he is and what he's done. And then lastly, we need to tell others. Like the shepherds. Like that song, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, but go tell it at the Christmas table. Go tell it at the places you work. Go tell it to your neighbors. Tell it to your family. If this is good news of great joy, we can't, it's not to like, I'm not telling anyone. No, I want to proclaim it to the world. Proclaim all, while we, all we can while we can. We need to spread the word of good news of great joy. If you'll bow with me as I close this word in prayer. Oh, Lord, I thank you for the birth, birth of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I, I'm, I'm filled with joy. I'm filled with wonder. Oh, God, I pray we would be filled with fresh faith. God, shock us to quit going through the motions. Destroy our religion. By your spirit, may we have fresh faith to behold the amazing story of the birth of the Son of God. Oh Lord, fill us with joy in our rejoicing and seal this word in our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.